nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up. There's nothing you could do. Know the boy says. There's nothing. I don't know why you want to play with it. There's nothing you could do. And we're back. Savage Hour Podcast. I'm Chad George. And with me, El Jefe. <laughs> TJ. What up, What's TJ? What's up? What up? How we do it? Good. Good. It's good. We took a little bit of break. We did. But uh, we are back. We are back. I'm excited about um, today's show. And we're doing a double today. We are doing Catch a double. Up. I know. So um, we have a couple really amazing guests mm-hmm. that we're bringing on. Uh, today is uh, a very close friend of mine coming on. She is the uh, music festival artist relations director. She worked at the world famous K Rock for 20 years as a director of marketing and event promotion. She has overcame numerous moments of dark times in her personal and work life. Um, she has an infectious ability to inspire the people around her. She is a boxing enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I am terrified of her. <laughs> My very good friend, Aisa Juarez. What's up, Aisa? Hi, babe. How are you? Hi. Hi. And it's La Jefa, not El Jefe. Ah! <laughs> that is true. See? Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Out of all Thank the people you. around this, uh, it's, it's, um, I'm already getting corrected on this thing. He's fucked up now this whole time you've been calling me. I know. Wow. Well, got her that. back. Wow. wow. So Girl that's power. the last time I bring uh, women wow. on, on the show. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> Um, so, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, it's an honor. Um, you and I have been friends for a very long time. Yes, we have. Uh, I have seen you go through many different um, aspects of your life, changes up and down. Uh, but most, mostly, your work life has, has recently changed. What got you into radio? Oh, wow. I started in radio when I was um, 17, and I was in high school, and I needed to get college credits to go into journalism and I applied for a job um, the station's gone but it was KNAC Pure Rock and it was a heavy metal radio station and um, I won a contest on the air and I went in to pick up my prize and I applied for a job and probably I'd say a week later I had a job working as a part-time receptionist and then six months later they hired me full-time and then I discovered that Working in radio was a giant party, but it was a ton of work, so I loved doing it. It was incredible. So I was doing uh, the receptionist part, then I went into promotions, and as soon as I went into promotions, it's like basically throwing a party for all your friends. Um, went to KNAC, and then the station closed its doors in 95 because it got bought out by another corporation, as most radio stations do. And then I went on to KZLA, which was a country station, and that station's gone too. Oh, man, every time I leave a station, it goes away. That's kind of (laughs) scary. And then uh, K-Rock in 97, and I was there for 20 years. And I recently resigned in June. Now, for people that don't know, what what did you do for K-Rock? What was your your, your main gist of your duties? Okay, so I was the director of marketing and promotions, and um, essentially I oversaw the marketing, the branding, um, and the brand, not only the brand recognition, but the reinforcement and the... Uh, executing all the lifestyle campaigns, overseeing the department as a whole, everything that was on air, on site, online, um, to make sure that not only the station programming messaging got across to our listeners, but also engagement activities for our listeners. And then the big part of my job, which later led me to this new phase of my career, was executive producing our um, marquee festivals, um, the Weenie Roast in the summertime, and Acoustic Christmas in December. And that was, my role was to oversee that. I was basically the air traffic controller and oversaw every aspect of that festival from concept, creation, to close the doors at the end of the night on the last day of the show. So um, that was essentially my, my focus. And that ultimately, that role in that position led me to really want to focus on being a festival producer. And in June, uh, I decided I didn't want to be a cog in the corporate machine anymore. Um, It was a different lifestyle I needed. Well, first of all, I was commuting for the last 20 years from Orange County to L.A. And, yeah, (laughs) it was brutal. 
um, and I just didn't, I didn't have a life. Um, my favorite, my favorite gym is in, you know, Gardena. So it was kind of hard from Culver City to Gardena to Huntington Beach. And uh, so I decided that it was time to take my career to a new phase. And quite frankly, K-Rock was my dream job. I started in radio, you know, when I was 17 years old. And I'm one of the rare people who've been, who've said, one day I'm going to be the director of marketing at K-Rock. And that was my dream. It was my dream job. And I achieved that dream. And I felt like once you get to a point where you've peaked out and you are no longer, you know, living for your dream and working for your dream, it's time to find another dream. And so that was that was kind of my motivation to to resign and go on and really focus on my next phase in this festival world. And that's really what I wanted to do. So I took a chance and I took a leap of faith and I decided to go freelance. <clears throat> and the freelance world was really scary. You're constantly chasing it and you're constantly chasing what needs to get done and you're 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 your own boss and you're your own hustle and it was it was it was scary. It was terrifying and um but the, there were a lot of people who gave me a lot of great opportunities. A lot of people who I thought didn't give me great opportunity or were going to give me great opportunities didn't and then people that I didn't really know came up and stepped up and said hey here's some great opportunities so I really honed my skills in working in festival production I did I dabbled a little bit in the movie production world which was really fascinating um, and then I met I reconnected with somebody um, in December who has a festival production company that produces uh, large-scale festivals on the beach in Huntington Beach my backyard and he took a chance on me and you know he decided that the company's called Activated and he took a chance and decided that he wanted to bring me on use my expertise and he has done great with giving me an opportunity and I'm really grateful that I've been able to do this in the last few months so it's that's been great really cool. that's, yeah. really cool. that's my career in a nutshell now you, you mentioned you know that working at K-Rock was your dream yeah like that was what you wanted to do and then you finally got that dream that takes a certain level of, of I mean balls to say I made this dream happen mm -hmm. and now I don't want it anymore yeah. Like that, that's not a mentality that people just wake up with one day and say, no. uh, I got I got here and now I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. Like that's usually one thing that even if it's so shitty at that at that at that that goal mm -hmm. that they're like, OK, well, I worked so hard to get here. Right. Like, I can only imagine um, being in radio. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough and I've been to a lot of the events with you. Yeah. I don't see too many women in that industry with that role that you have. Nope. So when you <laughs> not only when you make this giant goal. How was that like being like a woman in a male dominated industry? Yeah. It was tough. And and you know, to speak to your first point, yes, it was a dream and it was something that I really really strove to achieve and accomplish and and I I fought and I kicked and screamed and you know, I wasn't you know me, I'm not, you know, a quiet girl that stands in the corner. I was very, you know, direct and I really said what I wanted and I didn't take I I never said took no for an answer ever um, for the longest time K-Rock had the motto of ask for forgiveness instead of permission and that's kind of what I did in my life in my career and I really forged ahead and I believed that I used fear a lot of times with my career and I thought I'd sit there and think this is too scary I don't think I can do it and when I realized that when I was fearful of something I wanted to supersede that. I wanted to overcome it. And it became kind of a motto that I used in my career was, okay, I, I'm scared of it, so I have to face it. And that's essentially what I did working. And then that transcended itself into my regular life. But, um, and I, I know that, I know that fear is not necessarily a good motivator, but at the time when I was, you know, learning and trying to achieve, that was something that I did use. Um, but then I started to see success and I started to, realize that I didn't need to push myself with via fear. I just had to take a chance. And that fear wasn't necessarily the a negative connotation. It was just me realizing that I was taking risks and not to be afraid of those risks and to overcome those those fears of the risks that I was taking. And yes, absolutely the 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 industry is extremely male dominated and the entertainment industry, well, I'm starting, obviously, the world is starting to see a lot of changes 
And it makes me proud to have been a strong woman in the industry because I see the changes that are happening and the changes that are coming. But it's it was very difficult. It was very difficult to be part of what they call the boys club. You know, it was your your opinion didn't always completely matter. And I had to prove myself. I had to prove that I was tough and I didn't, you know, I I would go into a meeting and if I'd get upset, I would hold everything in my inside and think I can't cry because if I cry, I'll, I'll, I'll show weakness. And my other thing, my other um, focus working in this industry, in the male dominated industry is to never doubt, not only not, not ever doubt myself, but also to do things with humility and to understand that I'm in a role in a position where I can empower other people. And so I always had a pay it forward mentality. I thought if somebody gives me a chance, whoever it is, I'm going to pay that chance onto the next person. I'm going to allow them and I'm going to open as many doors as I can for the next person to allow them to experience things. Just because it's tough for me doesn't mean I need to make it tough for others. So that was really important for me. And to always, the bottom line in my career, in my life, in my everything was to always just be honest, own it own my nonsense, own my silly, nerdy, goofy things that I did, own my mistakes, own, own the negative and the positive of who I am. And, and to never just never bullshit anybody and never say to anybody, well, it wasn't me. It was him. I'm not a finger pointer. I, I own up to my, my own shit. And that's what ultimately I wanted to do. And I think that that's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, obviously I can relate a lot to that. Yeah. Um, based on, on, you know, what I've gone through, but I know from my experiences that that's something that I had to develop. Have you always had that kind of strength and ability to say, I'm going to face my fears? Or has there been a development process to get you to say, I know I can stand up in front of this. I know I don't have to run from this. Um, I know when when something horrible happens that I can stand up and say, I know this has already happened and it's time to move forward. Like, Where did that strength come from? Well, it's funny you say that because I had... I think that leads, that's a good lead into what we're about to talk about is that I, um, I really focused on being afraid and I was scared and I was terrified. And, and again, I would achieve something and think, okay, that was scary. I made it. And I didn't really start to, um, and I, and I think with age that happens, you know, you get wisdom, but when I was younger, I didn't know any better. You know, I was younger, I didn't know any better, and I was kind of like a freight train or a bull in a china shop. I would just go in and do things and it would happen. Um, or I would do things, I would get in trouble, <laughs> and then I would rectify it. But uh, I think it started to happen when I took on this director role, and that was um, a couple years after you and I met and started training together. Um, but I didn't know that what I was doing was using fear as opposed to realizing that it was risk and that it needed to be strength until I sat in a ring in tears and you were saying to me not to be afraid. That's when that started. And I started, it it changed my mindset. It changed everything about how I looked at things. Instead of being afraid, I was able to look at it and go, this is strength. And to change that fear into strength. Yes, I've always been strong and I've always been a strong person. That's my personality and that's how I was raised. I was raised by an incredibly strong woman and an incredibly strong grandmother. And those two forces of nature forged who I was. And But it didn't become a, a, a cognitive thought and I didn't know how to hone it and use it until I started in the fitness world and I started training and I, I sat in a ring again with you facing one of the greatest fears of my life and so let's 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 talk about that a little bit yeah you talk about when we first started we we were boxing we were doing fitness stuff right Mm -hmm. but there there was a catalyst yeah there was that caused you to even walk through my doors right there was there was something that you made you start looking for answers Uh uh-huh and made you start wanting to no longer run from the fear even though you didn't realize it right right Um, I was working in an office with six guys and I was eating, matching them meal for meal and they're 20 something year old guys and they're eating nonsense every day. And so was I. And I thought, you know, I can sitting sedentary at a desk and 
stressed out and it was it was a really tough time in my life and I was trying to prove myself and so I was working ridiculous hours I wasn't taking care of myself and I had a health scare I went to the doctor and they said you know you're borderline diabetic you definitely have high blood pressure you are what they call morbidly obese although I didn't think I was at the time I thought it was really cute because I've always had a good body image um but I was sick I was not well and I started you know I started nutrition I changed my nutrition slightly and I would go to the gym at 20 hour 24 hour fitness or wherever the gyms were at the time and um not throwing down a plug that's just where I'm saying is that um I walked in and I would go on the treadmill for 45 minutes at level one and not really you know get any kind of a sweat but I thought that was working out and then one day I was having lunch with my friend Kevin and he said um I train I, I go boxing you need to do boxing it, it would be really amazing I'm, I'm at this gym and um I you and I started emailing I was scared I was terrified and I emailed and asked questions and I wanted to know what the deal was because Boxing is very, very, very intimidating for somebody who's went from nothing to, you know, I went from zero to a hundred and I was scared. I was terrified to walk in and I was terrified to, you know, be judged and told that I couldn't do something. So I went to my very first boxing class and it was terrifying. And the first, I'd say 10, 15 minutes in, just like anybody who had never done any kind of fitness, I was, you know, throwing up and passing out in the corner and it was horrible it was it was I thought what am I doing why am I doing this to myself this is terrifying and it's it's the worst thing I could possibly do and I came back in um you walked out and you were like you know you can do this get back in there and I walked back in and I finished out the class and the instructor at the time it wasn't you <laughs> but the instructor at the time said yeah I'll never see you again <laughs> wow correct so that's exactly what I said I went all right cool so the next day I signed up for, I did a six month package. I was like, no, nah, you're not going to say that to me. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to say, say to somebody that I'm going to fail at something. So I came back and then uh, you and I started <laughs> talking about, I was taking your boxing classes and you would laugh every time I would do something terrible. I was so uncoordinated. I was horrible. You just made fun of me. It was just so bad. I was so bad. And that's when we started doing private training because <laughs> you're like, you're embarrassing. <laughs> you're so embarrassing and with the private training with you it was a totally different world that became whew, that became a that was that was both terrifying painful it was one of the most painful time in my life because not only was I shedding weight but I was shedding me and all the preconceived notions I'd had about fitness and all the things that I needed to do and I was I was really it was really hard it was a very very challenging time in my life but it was worth every ounce of sweat and every painful moment every day that I would message you and call you the devil because I couldn't move my toe because I hurt so much it was terrible you were a monster <laughs> but it's what got me it's it's what got me through you know the the initial stages of of working out and changing fitness so when you when you finally got this grasp of like when we were when we started training, um, you finally like I, I committed to training. I'm starting to make this this change in lifestyle. I'm making this change in the way I see the world. Something happened. Yeah. Something happened. Um, about a year after. About a year after. Yeah. And it was something that affected you pretty pretty <laughs> pretty deeply. Yeah. I, I still. I, I don't know that I can talk about it without tearing up, but it was a it was a change in my life. Um, about it, you and I had been training for about a year, and my stepfather, who was married to my mom for, God, they were married forever. He was one of the most beautiful humans in the whole wide world. Um, he passed away, and it was the first time I'd ever lost anybody. I had had a beautiful family. We were all very close and I'd never experienced loss or death. Um, I had lost, you know, pets, but that was very different. And it was extremely traumatic for me. It was, it was devastating. And, you know, he and I had such a, we had a great friendship. We were very close, 
but I was devastated for my mother because that was, you know, that was the love of her life. And it was so, there was so much trauma. And I remember calling you and setting his name's Carl. And I remember calling you and telling you, Carl, Carl is gone. And you said, get up here, get it, get to the gym. And I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. I was, I was grieving. It was horrible. And you basically worked me out one of the hardest workouts, one of the hardest training sessions we'd ever done. And I remember training with you and I just, I remember crying and I was sobbing and it was just this, like, just this pain. And I, at the end of the session, I was exhausted. You broke me. You physically broke me down. And when I say break me is that you didn't, you know, you didn't break me, but you broke my body down physically and sat and I was sitting there crying afterwards and I was telling you what happened and we were talking about it. And I just remember realizing that when you broke my physical body down and, and brought it to its core to what it could do and pushed me, you pushed me so hard to the point where I couldn't think about anything else but just breathing to get to the next step, you you said, this is it. This is life. This is what you're going to go through. And you can either sit here and lay here and cry, or you can get up and keep fighting. You can go another round. You can keep doing it and you can, and you can push harder. And no matter how dark and no matter how painful this is, you can get, you can get up again. You can go keep fighting. And it was, it wasn't even just that you meant to give me, you know, we were doing boxing analogies, but that's really essentially the core of what you said. And it flipped a switch in me. It tur- It's like I felt this key turn. And while I was still grieving and I was still devastated at the loss of Carl, I knew that I could fight. I knew that I had strength in me. And I knew that no matter how bad it was and no matter how dark it was, that I would be able to, I would live, I would survive. I would have to get up and fight and I'd have to fight through it even if I didn't want to. And even if it hurt me or even if it was terror or it was heartache or sorrow that the only way to get through it was to get up and fight and to continue to train mm-hmm. so when that when that key turned, <clears throat> yeah has that key always stayed on always it's never come off um the for the next few years for the next year or so you know obviously I kept training with you and I kept working out and realist and and I say this to everyone now even to this day that Am I going to be a size two? Am I going to eat quinoa? Am I going to eat kale for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. We all know how much I eat tacos and I love it. I'm not a petite girl. I have great body confidence. I love my body. I love how I look, but I want to be healthy and I am healthy and I work out and I do these things. But most of all, I train and I work out and I get myself to that point where you pushed me so that I can cope. I cope with stress. I cope with um, resistance if I get bored or you know especially during these last few months when I didn't have a job and I was afraid of what I was doing I would I was working out every single day because I needed to cope with life and for me if that's an addiction and that's <laughs> then that's the best addiction I'd rather have I'd rather have health and fitness as an addiction Yes, I, you know, I, I'm not consistent with my nutrition. I'm not consistent with all the things I could do. Yes, can I be better? But I don't want to be perfect. I just want to be me. And I want to be the best part of me. And I want to be healthy. And I want to love who I am. And working out makes me love who I am. Not because of how I look, but because of how I feel. I feel like it's it's literally the medicine that I need. And maybe that's the key that you turned. Because it was the salvation or the solution or it was what healed me at the time and what I needed to that's how I look at fitness and and working out it heals me it makes me better so yes when I'm in it and I'm in the weeds and I'm pushing hard and I'm I hate it every minute and I think I want to stop I can't work out anymore I can't sweat anymore I can't feel sore anymore I walk out of there and I'm like I'm healed I feel like I am rejuvenated and it's given me life. So when I fear death, fitness gives me life. No, that's like a big step of confidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when you look at that, um, I mean, 
when when all that happened and you overcame that, I know I saw a lot of changes in you. Yeah, you did. Just the way you held yourself, right? The way you, the way you carried yourself, when you, the way you walked, right? All that was changed about. It, it was almost like, and I remember, cause I remember I told you about this. I was yeah, like, you did. You you all of a sudden have changed into this different person, but it was it became it became a confident person. Mm-hmm. How did that confidence translate into your work life? Mm-hmm. And, and your personal life as, as this newly found, like Aisa, that knows that I can overcome anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I've always had somewhat of a big ego, but it wasn't really honed until it started to do that. But it was, con- I've always felt confident in my skin. I've always felt like I was a confident person and I felt okay with my body and how I looked. I never questioned. I was, my mother raised me to always be happy with how I looked and how I was so I never really had serious body confidence issues I wasn't one of those girls that had dysmorphia and things like that because that's a real that really does happen to women we look at ourselves and we hate everything yes I hate a million things in my body I, there's a million things I could change but I don't because I understand this is me but when it came to, to training and it came to boxing boxing for sure gave me an extraordinary amount of confidence not just because of not just because of um Knowing that I could knock somebody out if I needed to, but <laughs> if I wanted to, um, and it's something that I see at you as a fighter and I, I see you as a coach, CJ, is that you guys know that as a boxer, you don't have to fight anybody because you know that you can defend yourself and protect yourself. And ultimately you shy away from things like that. I mean, how many times have we, you and I've been in a bar and I've said, don't mess with Chad. You're going to look, you know. You just don't want to mess with him. I know he looks really nice, but he's going to kill you. (laughs) But um, it's the level of knowing that the confidence comes from knowing that you can overcome, not overcome, but that you can do something that you didn't think you could do. I didn't think that I would be able to, to, to train as much as I do. I didn't think that I could, I could, you know, uh, I remember you used to make me run around the block in not such a great neighborhood and I hated it and I hated you and I was worried and I got chased by a homeless guy one time and <laughs> I never thought that I could run and I hated it <laughs> and I came back and I cursed you but I was like I did it you know so the, the training and for sure boxing makes you feel that you can completely overcome anything and that you can do anything and that comes simply by seeing the change the fit not only the physical change and the mental change, I did become more confident because I knew that if I could get through the death of a loved one, if I could get through the change of my body, if I could do your devious burpees that you made me do, I would, I could do anything. Seriously, I could, I could do anything. And that confidence came in and I actually, it actually settled me. It calmed me down. I wasn't so scattered. I didn't need to, you know, I didn't need to. It, it really centralized and focused me. I became a focused human being because, like you say, in boxing, you always have to be focused. And, you you know, because if you're not, you're going to get smacked in the face. You, you're going to get hit in the face. You need to see, the, you need to anticipate things coming your way. You need to see things with calm. You need to understand what that blueprint is of your life. And that really transcended itself into my world. And... The other thing is, is that it was, it's a famous Chad thing. And I don't know if you still say it, but you used to tell me, take it out of your face. You wouldn't let me say no. You wouldn't let me say I can't. You would never let me say I won't. You would never let me say I quit. And you always said, if I had a, if I had a snarl on my face or I was making it look like I was like struggling, it was take it out of your face. And that has transcended itself to this day because I knew that if I took, if I smiled or if I knew that I wasn't forcing it, it didn't become, it wasn't hard. It was easier to get through it. But you never let me say no. You never said I could never quit. I had to, even no matter what I did and how many times you made me do things, I hated you, but I still did it. And it's how I made it through. Now with that, that never quit mentality. Yeah. Um, every story has peaks and valleys. Right. Mm-hmm. There's times where everybody realizes that they have no idea how they're going to overcome something because they've never been there before. Right. Just like your previous things in the past. Right. And sometimes very painful things mm-hmm. become the key to helping us get over another thing that we didn't expect. Absolutely. And 
when it comes down to things that we don't know how to overcome, it's because we've never been there before. Correct. But when things happen, we can look at it and think that the world's coming down on us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know after you overcame that one major obstacle in your life, you started getting to a point in your career where everything was looking amazing and you were at the peak of it, and then something else happened. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> something else happened. <laughs> so I was at the peak of my career. I was doing... I have, I've always had a beautiful life. I've always had people that I love and care about. and But I had one human being that was the love of my life. And he and I were, he was my best friend. He was my brother. He is my best friend and he is my brother. Um, he, his name is David and he and I were, became best friends. We met when I was 17 and he was 18 and we met outside a club and we both had tried to sneak into a club with uh, fake IDs and we got kicked out and we were sitting on the curb uh, making fun of people so much that the security guards let us stay and hang out because we were so funny. That forged a friendship between, his name's David Wyatt, and that forced, forged a friendship between David and I for 30 years. He was my everything. He was the most important human being to me, aside from my, my, my parent, my mother. Um, he was my world he understood me he got me he became the most uh he was the funniest person in the world he pushed me he loved it that I was training with you because he 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 was very athletic and he was a very healthy person and he rode a road bike mountain bike he taught me how to snowboard he taught me tons of things and um he was everything to me and although we weren't romantically connected like you and I, you know, you and I are, you and I have been accused of <laughs> having romantic situations or me having a crush on you. And it's just very odd. I'm a person who can, you know, have very close personal relationships with men and it not be about sex. Dude, I've seen your butt, so I'm not attracted to it. We've all seen his butt. Right? Yeah. What right? is that? <laughs> God. <laughs> so aside from you and my, my closeness to you, you know, I've, I had this relationship and this friendship with David and um, we never ever uh, we, we were inseparable we were inseparable human beings and he passed away suddenly um, two years ago actually it's going it, it'll be three years and it destroyed my world my world came crashing down um, not only was he my best friend but we were, you know, financially tied with things and we had things that were connected in our lives. He was essentially my, my, what, what I used to call it? Non-sexual life partner. Um, so, cause he was gross too. Like as far as I'm concerned, he wasn't, he, I would never, I've never seen him, him naked. I've seen you naked. I've never seen David naked. That's kind of weird. <laughs> so anyway, sidebar. <laughs> Total sidebar. Um, but anyway, we were just, we were inseparable human beings. And when you lose somebody that's so important to you, it it completely annihilates me. I didn't know that I was going to survive. I didn't think that I would li- be able to live one day without him. I didn't want to live one minute without him. And he was somebody that I relied on for every aspect of my life. And I sat, you know, the day that I lost him, I could I couldn't fathom the rest of my life without him. I couldn't fathom being who I am without him. And I talked to you that day. And we talked about it and you again had words of of love and understanding and you said to me you know what you have to do. You know that you can overcome this. You know that you are strong and you know that you'll survive and that you will be, you'll be okay. And we, we talked in later that night, um, you know, I was sitting there thinking, Chad's right. You know, I am not going to, I'm not going to let this kill me. I'm not going to let this destroy me. 
but also David's legacy in his life was that he lived his life to the fullest. He didn't give a shit about what anybody thought. He was one of the happiest people in the whole wide world. He experienced everything. He he was everyone's friend. He loved unconditionally. And one of the things he said to me um, the last few hours that he was alive, he died, he passed away suddenly. We didn't know that he was sick. He didn't know he was sick. He had a genetic disorder that caused an issue with his heart and he passed away in one of the most beautiful ways possible. In he was sleeping and he had the best dream and he is now somewhere in the universe with his buddy Stephen Hawking. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, one of the last you know few hours that we spoke, um, he said to me, he's like, dude, no more worrying. You can't worry about anything anymore. Stop worrying about me. Stop worrying about everybody. There's nothing to worry about. You're going to be just fine. And that put the period on the sentence of what you've been saying to me for years. So I thought about that and I thought, David wouldn't want me to worry. He wouldn't want me to break. He wouldn't want me to die. He wouldn't want me to stop living and to stop being who I am. And so I, you know, I found a way through all of the things that you had instilled in me and and inspired me to do and to try to completely overcome and to become to continue to be the person that I was evolving I couldn't stop that progress simply because my heart was shattered my heart was going to heal and again going back to it you know after you know a few days of grieving I went I went back to my very first workout and I broke myself down exactly how you did and I broke my physical body and I tore away at my physical body and I just it was like a transition like I transcended somewhere like I went just in a different place you know that runner's high that they talk about and I knew that again I had to cope with life and I had to keep living and I had to keep fighting and you've said this to me during every single you know, whether it's the loss of Carl and David, whether it's a terrible, horrible breakup that you and I have been through, thankfully. <laughs> um, but you have been with me in all of those situations. And I've always picked up the phone and called you and you've talked me through it and said, and just reminded me, it's not like you've never talked at me. You've never said, do this, do this. You've always inspired me. And you've always said, you, you're stronger than this. You're stronger than you believe. And, and like a phoenix you're gonna rise from the ashes and you've said that to me time and again and like a phoenix I have to rise from the ashes because I can't I can't die I can't be afraid I can't be afraid of death and because I don't have a choice in that matter so I have to live my life to the fullest the way the two humans in my life my grandmother passed away right before several months before David and that was just as devastating. Um, although it was easier to deal with because, you know, she was 90 years old and I could understand the death of somebody and elderly. But when Dave, when it happened with David, it was my whole world changed. And now when I look at the time that I've spent grieving, I know that I'm going to continue to live my life without fear and live my life facing every challenge I can possibly face because it doesn't get any darker than those those moments. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it um it, it's it's interesting how we go through these these very tough moments mm -hmm. that seem unbearable and impossible to get through. Yeah. And then when we do get through it, the world seems to open up for us. It does. And not only for us, but the people around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because now you can have the experience of being able to say, I overcame this. Right. I've done this. I know what you're going through. Right. Because a lot of people see people's success, but they don't see what led to that. Right. They, they don't see the, the, the moments that were tearing them apart. Yep. They don't see those moments of pain. They mm -hmm. don't see the moments of dark right. that only a select people right. will ever get to even see or hear of. Absolutely. But once 
the darkness clears, all of a sudden this rainbow is out there because yeah. your 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 why <clears throat> for what you do things has grown. Mm-hmm. It has grown. It, at least I think so. Into a manifestation that would have never seen that strength without right. the pain from before. Agreed, one hundred percent. And it's it's tough to say this, but it needed that kind of pressure, like like the way diamonds are formed. Right. Mm-hmm. It needs that pressure to become this 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 fire mm-hmm. to create the phoenix. It does. Right. Because without it, you're just going to be on the same path, mm-hmm. doing these things, and unfortunately. It takes some some very horrible things to spark the flame. It does. Because once that flame begins, begins, you become an unstoppable force that nothing on this on this planet or universe or beyond could even try to stop. Right, and it it is. It's not. I didn't. I didn't look at it and think I could have shut down easily. I could have stopped and 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 crawled into a ball and said. You know, I don't want to face anything. And, and yeah, for, you know, a few months afterward, for grief, of course, I did all those things. But I also had to look at life, like you just said. You know, my catalyst for, for change was through the course of, of pain and fear. But it also was, I need to make these humans proud of me. I need to make them realize that their lives weren't in vain, that the people that they were to me and what they showed me and why they were so important to me, if I shut down and die, and and I don't even want to use the word die, but if I just shut down and give up, then everything they gave me, everything they brought to me wasn't, wasn't worth it, was in, was in vain. And it was, and I had, again, I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's, um, you know, trite, but it's very similar and they're parallels with you. I never wanted to let you down. You know, I never wanted to let you think that I wasn't pushing hard enough or I wasn't working hard enough or I wasn't becoming the best part of me because I felt like then you wouldn't you wouldn't want to do what you were doing. You wouldn't want to waste your time. And that's how I look at with training with every every coach, every trainer that I've befriended. I don't want to let them down because you showed me that it's it's an effort on both parts. You as a coach, you as a trainer, you as a fighter. I didn't want to let you down. And so if I let you down, then I let me down. Then what then I'm wasting my time and my effort and my energy and my blood, sweat and tears if I'm just doing a doing the half-assed job that that's out there. What's the point? So why would I let those people that loved me and cared about me and who gave me so much in my life and so much happiness why would I let them down by stopping and quitting and I'm never going to quit I'm never going to stop and for me fitness and being healthy isn't isn't six months and I can get into my skinny jeans it's my life it's forever it's an eternity of constantly changing and evolving my body my body changes my mentality changes I grow I get older I'm not going to quit and I'm going to stop doing these things because something happens. If anything, it's the reverse for me. If something happens and shit's going to happen, bad things are going to happen, I can't quit and I can't let an excuse, whether it's a real excuse or whether it's just me, me talking myself out of it, I can't allow that to happen because I know what it's like to feel like... I know what it's like to feel horrible and to feel heavy and sick and just run down and not able to, you know, sprint up a flight of stairs. I know what it's like, as everyone else does. Well, I have seen you inspire so many people, (laughs) not just in the fitness room, but even in your work. I see you take your your employees out, make them box. You put together fitness (laughs) events. You do all these different things to make other people see their world differently because of the way that you see yours. And the confidence that you've built through it, you try to instill that in others is absolutely inspiring. Thank you. I want people, I've always said that one of the things I've always struggled with is I struggle with expectations of others. I've always expected people to be at 100% the way I am. And I'm extra. Like, I I want other people to be extra, and, and I don't know that that's ever possible. But 
I always strive for people to be the best themselves, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, a, a good employee, a good person, a good human, a good whatever it is. I've always wanted to I see something in people and I think I can pull that out of you and I want you to be the best person that you can. And sometimes people fight me on it and sometimes it's not possible or sometimes, you know, a lot of people, it, it's it's scary and it's it's something that you have to talk yourself into. It's like thought is creative and you've always said this. If you if you believe it, it's true, you know, and that's not you. You can talk yourself into anything. You can talk yourself out of anything. And I've always tried to not just not inspire consciously but I guess you know tough love or pushing or wanting them to be better or wanting them to acknowledge wanting them to see what I see in them you know what I see I I've seen it in you I've seen you know I've pushed you just as a person and as a human and as a man you know because we're friends and I'm able to do those things but I you know I've seen it in you I've seen it in how you've grown your company and your your brand and you as a fighter and as a coach, as a mentor, as as a person, as a son, I've seen you grow. And I think that if we can't do that for each other, you can't give somebody, show somebody their worth, then what's the point? Because someone's always shown me my worth. And my worth is, is more important to me not as a dollar figure, but my worth as a person and my capacity to love and my capacity to give and my capacity to grow and change. And more importantly, my worth is my capacity to accept that I am an infallible human being. I can, I can always change and I can always get better. So what is one piece of advice that you can give somebody who is dealing with the same type of struggles as you are, that every time something almost is about to happen, it gets pulled out from underneath them. Honestly, it, and I don't even want to say don't give up because that's so, that's so easy to say. It's believe in, it, the, really it's to believe in the outcome, is to have faith. And, and I don't mean it in the religious aspect, but you know, and if it applies to somebody in a religious aspect, but my grandmother used to say all the time, it's in God's hands, whatever happens, happens. And that was just her faith. And it was a, an incredible amount of faith in her belief that things were going to happen the way they were supposed to happen. And she just believed. And so she didn't allow anything to stop her from doing what she not wanted, but what she wanted to strive for, what she wanted to achieve. She just believed that it was going to be, it was going to work itself out the way it needed to. And I've always had that same mentality is to have faith and to believe, but also on top of that is to fight. Don't let anyone tell you, you cannot get in that ring. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not going to come back after you've been beaten down. You don't have to come back the same person. You don't have to come back and prove anything to anyone. But if you don't stop fighting and if you don't stop in one small way, then you can achieve it. You have to you have to find your way and you have to find what it is that you want. And it may not always be what we what we really we may not get what we want. I don't get what I want. But there are times where I know that I am successful because I just kept fighting and kept pushing and not hurting people along the way and building bridges as opposed to burning them but continuing to fight and to accept everything that everyone gives to you and and understand that everyone's advice has a value and everyone's inspiration can be your inspiration but the key is never to stop fighting that's the bottom line is that you can be sitting there on your couch like I was one day and not doing anything and watching tv and stuffing my face or sitting at my desk and eating whatever the hell I wanted to eat and 
not going out and working out and not getting my heart rate up or not getting any things that I needed to do. And it was just one little baby step, one little teeny step through those doors. That's all it took. And it was the hardest and the simplest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I never stopped fighting. Plus, you know, boxing's pretty badass, so. <laughs> How can you not? Amazing. Um, <laughs> Ice, I think you are an incredible human being. Thank you, my love. Your journey that you have been through is um, nothing but amazing. Thank you. And I know it's going to continue to be amazing. I hope so. <laughs> and, you know, um, as we all know, there's always going to be things that come in front of us that we didn't expect. Yeah. But we have the strength to overcome. Mm-hmm. We have the strength to succeed. Mm-hmm. And we have the strength and ability to be a champion over every moment that happens. Yeah, you're right. And I wish you nothing but absolute success in everything that you do. Thank you. Daily. Mm-hmm. Thank you, babe. Thank you. And, you know, I will say this one thing. I've, it's been an honor to watch you grow and become a champion and to be exactly where, what I knew that you could be. I've said this to you a million times. You changed my life. You motivated me. You helped me become this human that I am today. And it makes me so happy that you're continuing to do this with other people because, you know, I say this to so many people. Chad changed me. Chad became, and it's why I'm, you know, aside from us being friends and we're really funny and we should have our own show, but um, (laughs) aside from that, (laughs) aside from that, you are, you're, you are an inspiration and you motivate people and you really showcase and you draw their, you draw the best of them. You really do. You get the best of people and you push them and you will never let me keep it in my face. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks, teacher. Mm-hmm. Thanks, You're La Hefa. Thank la you. Hefa. <laughs> you got it? La Hefa. Yeah, La Hefa. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, Thanks for having me. Time. Okay, bye. TJ? To talk about funny stories? Yeah, we'll talk save about. those for a uh, underground <laughs> episode. That's an over 21 R-rated episode. Yeah, I don't know if I'm old enough to be on that show. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. He's old enough to show his butt. Oh, God. So, um, I guess that should be good for us today. Yeah. Um, thank again, you for thank coming. you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, TJ. You're welcome. That'll be it for us today. Remember to live life every day as a champion. We're out. Nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up. There's nothing you could do. Know the boy says. There's nothing. I don't even know why you want to play with it. There's nothing you can do.